one book, a few chapters, and hundreds of pages have led us to this. Adventure, romance, the thrill of a lifetime, a thousand lives that we get to explore. Join me. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Today, it's it's March. Oh my gosh. We are in March. It is March 2nd. I can't believe we're already here. I'm excited for this month because every week we are talking about a favorite recommended fantasy YA novel. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, reminder, I am Ashley Danny of the Ashley Danny Podcast, and we love to talk about books and stories and writing and breaking down literature. That's what I do. This is not a review. I am not going to just give you kind of an overview synopsis and then my opinion. I am going to be breaking down these books. There are spoilers. I am going to give you what happens at the end. I'm not going to give you everything. There's a lot of story in between that you can still read and still enjoy, but I I will be telling you how everything ends and what happens and all the things. So if you have not read this book and you want to read it before you learn all the things, pause this episode, go read the book, come back however long later it takes you to read the book. Um, if you're a fast reader, it'll probably take you a day. If you're a slower reader, maybe a couple days. Uh, it's about 400 pages with pretty big font. Uh, so pause Go read and then come back and listen to my thoughts and my uh, breakdown of this book. And this one is called Graceling by Christian Kristen. And I always say her last name wrong. I think it's Cashore or Cashore. I, I, I hope I'm saying that right. I'm so sorry, Kristen. Kristen Cashore. Uh, Graceling, it's copyrighted in 2008. I saw someone say it came out in September of 2009, but mine definitely says 2008. So I don't know, maybe the copy she looked in was like a uh, revamp of the cover. I have the original cover. I love original covers because I usually get to them before the new exclusive books come out. Um, or new covers or whatever. So I, I love my my original cover and I take care of it as best as I possibly can. But anywho, we are talking Graceling and I need to slow down my talking because you might not be understanding every word I say. So take a deep breath, let it out. All right, let's dive in. So like I said, uh, Graceling was published in 2008 by Christian, Kristen, why do I keep saying Christian? Kristen Cashore, and it follows the adventure of a Graceling named Katza and a prince she meets along the way. So you're probably asking yourself if you are asking me if you have not read this book and are ignoring my warning. Um, Ashley, what is a Graceling? So a Graceling in this novel is someone who is born with unhuman-like abilities, like astronomical, almost like magic, but they don't call it magic. They call it a grace. Um, and, and they have abilities of different types of abilities, ranging from combat to survival to um, manipulation to uh, uh, seeing lies to fire elements, etc. There are a multitude of different graces and you learn that as you read this book and as you read the series because there are four books right now in this series. Um, I've only read the first three. The fourth one's been sitting on my shelf staring at me because I'm trying I want to read all three again before I read the fourth. 
But the problem is, is now that I'm doing this podcast, I'm reading other books and I have other things going on this summer with Harry Potter. So it's just I'm I'm overwhelming myself with the amount of stuff I need to read because not only do I read, I also write full time job. I play video games every once in a while, like Hogwarts Legacy, Uh, lots, lots of different things that I do. So I have not gotten there yet, but I have read the first three amazing, but we're only going to look at the first one today. So um, the way that you know that a grace, that you're in the presence of a Graceling is you have to look at their eyes. They, in this world, if you have two different color eyes, like blue, brown, or whatever, green, blue, you are considered a Graceling, which means you have some sort of ability. And with Katza, at the beginning, she, her whole life, actually, she just thinks she's really good at combat and uh, pretty much which has gotten her uncle, who is the king of where she lives, which is um, called the Midlands, Midlands, Lunds, yeah, Midlands, uh, has made, like, trained her up to be an assassin because her parents are dead. So he uses his uh, niece for her abilities to be an assassin. And remember last week how I said my computer went to sleep? Well, it did it again, but it's okay. I'm back up and running. I need to like move around my mouse and do things so it doesn't go away ever after five minutes. Anywho, um, so she thinks she's like good at killing or combating. Like that's her grace. But really you find out later on as she reads, again, spoiler alert, spoil, 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 spoiler. Uh, she actually has a grace that is survival. Her grace is surviving. And because she's put in these situations where she has to kill to survive, she comes becomes very good at killing because that's the only way to survive. So that's how she kind of gets to where she is. But she figures out the survival thing much later in the book. Um, actually, literally towards the end of the book is when we realize, oh, you are not just good at combat. Like, that's not the thing. It's It's something totally different. Uh, so that's what, that's what Gracelings are. That's what a Grace is. So before we get into my own personal opinion, but let's be real, I'm going to give my opinion throughout this breakdown. Let's go over the eight elements of lit- of the literature, because that is what I'm going to go to every single time we look at a book, because this is what we have. This is how we make a story. This is how we write a story. We need to look at the eight elements. Reminder, if you don't remember the elements, it is point of view, theme, conflict, plot, um, character. Uh, I do not have the list in front of me. Character. Oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person. Tone. And I already did a point of view. What did I miss? Guys, what did I miss? What did I miss? What did I miss? I don't remember. I got to open my notes. Hold on. See? Horrible, horrible. I'm, I'm normally point of view, theme, plot, conflict, setting, ha, setting. That's what I was missing. Um, so we're going to go through those real quick. So, and you know, it's not going to be real quick. It's going to be a little, most of this episode. Um, but let's start with the setting of this book. So the setting of the book is in what Kristen calls the seven kingdoms. And no, I'm not talking about the seven kingdoms of the Game of Thrones. She created her own seven kingdoms. She has a map in the beginning of the book to show you what the seven kingdoms are on. And they're kind of on this peninsula 
off of this main mainland, there's a small peninsula and it's broken up into the seven kingdoms. So it's not on an island like Britain and Game of Thrones. It's her own made up world. And one of the seven kingdoms is actually an island way off of that. So there's six kingdoms on the peninsula and then an island for the seventh kingdom. Now, the main countries or the main kingdoms that we're kind of in is uh, first one is Midlands, Midlands, which is where Katz is from, where her uncle reigns. His name is King Randa. Uh, Sunder is another one, but really that's just one that they have to travel through and there's some enemies and wars going on, blah, blah, blah. So there's there's that one. And then these two are very important to the storyline. Um, Monsi and oh, I'm going to say this one wrong. Lined. Lynyrd, I don't know how she pronounces that, um, but Monsi and Lynyrd, Lynyrd, I'm going to say it's Lynyrd, uh, are, are very important to the storyline because the prince she meets, the prince I told you she meets along the way, is the is a prince from Lynyrd, which is actually the, the island, the island kingdom, and then um, the villain and the innocent who they need to say who they end up needing to save once they get there is in Monsi and Monsi is um not in the midst of the peninsula so if you look at the peninsula it's like a it's like a square off of the mainland and five of the countries are kind of all squished together but then the southeast of the peninsula uh, it kind of goes down into Monsi. So it's kind of still kind of away uh, from the rest of them. It only really borders. It borders two of them, but there's like mountain passes in between there. It's kind of secluded away from the rest of the kingdoms, which works well in our villain's favor. Now, our villain is named King Lek. Uh, he is evil, 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 evil. And I'll get to why here in a few minutes. As I go through everything, but the the picture that she's created, not just the drawing, but just the words on describing um, these different countries and the landscape. And I love listen, like love reading how she describes Leonard because she talks about the sea and and the and the cliffs and the waves crashing, um, if I'm remembering correctly. And it's just she's very specific with each one to make you just kind of visualize it. And if an author can't make you visualize where you are and and have more than just one sense, like use more than just one of your senses to see it in your mind, then that author needs to work on their uh, descriptive language a little bit more. Uh, Kristen is great at using all the senses when it comes to describing what's going on in her setting. So I love that. Now, the main characters in the story, of course, is, of course, the first one is Katza. Um, she is the main. We follow her. The narrator of the story follows her around. Uh, this is a limited third person. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I always say a minute, but really, we're going to get to that in a while. It's going to take a while. But uh, she, they fo it follows Katza around. The second main character is Prince Poe. He is in 70% of this book, becomes a really big part of it. Uh, but the way they meet is so cute. And funny and just, you know, normal for when you have a girl who can kick butt. Um, she meets him when she's trying to rescue someone. She is trying to rescue this prince. Well, this prince, he's an elderly prince. Like his brother or sister or someone became king or queen and he's still just a prince. And it ends up being um, Prince Poe, her soon-to-be friend. Uh, it's his uncle 
or grandpa or something of that nature. And they're both trying to rescue him. Her because she she's in this role as a um, assassin, but she doesn't agree with it. And she'll do anything in her power not to kill somebody. She, instead of killing them, she will try to rescue them and then fake their death to her uncle. So that way she stays on his good side. Her people like that work with her in these missions stays on his good side. And then these the people she's supposed to kill get to go off free. So she is trying to save this prince, this elderly prince. Um, Poe is also trying to save him because it's his like grandpa or something. And she, they kind of collide during the mission and she doesn't know if he's friend or foe. So she takes him out like, or she knocks him out. She doesn't kill him. She just knocks him out and saves the grandpa and gets him to safety sort of deal. Poe does catch up. There's a whole thing. I don't want to ruin it for you. You can go read it. But once they actually meet, they realize, like, we're on the same side. We believe the same things. Like, we don't want to kill for personal gain like all these other kings of the kingdoms. They want to be good, in in essence. So they actually, um, yeah, they actually start to get along. Now, there are other characters uh, that Katza is close to, but for the sake of time, um, I'm only going to give you the other two main characters that uh, you need to know the names of. One of them is Bitter Blue. Yes, that is her name, Bitter Blue. This ends up being Poe's cousin. Um, and then King Lek, who really, in essence, I believe is Poe's uncle or like great uncle or something like that by marriage, not actually blood related, but by marriage. Uh, Bitter Blue is King Lek's daughter. Uh, he so Lek marries Poe's like aunt and then Lek and the aunt have a daughter named Bitter Blue. OK, so the premise of the story ends up being Katza and Poe are going to see if his aunt and cousin are OK, because no one has heard from them. No one knows if there's alive. They're alive. There's a lot of rumors about King Lek and what he's like. There's good rumors, like he's this amazing, heartfelt king. And then there's bad rumors. So it's hard to kind of figure out which ones are real and which ones are not. And I'll under I'll explain that a little bit more here in a minute. But the they don't he's Poe is concerned for his aunt and his cousin. So he has enlisted Katza somehow to go and help him find his aunt and cousin, uh, and, and to kind of confront Lek. Well, so the thing is, Poe, Poe is the one who really truly believes Lek is evil. And, and he's right. Lek is our villain. Lek is evil, but <laughs> not the whole, like the, his country, Monsi, and the rest of the world who's heard about Lek, they kind of have a distorted, view of him and you might be catching what i'm 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 saying because we're talking about gracelings and powers and and all the things but they get it they actually make it to monsi and they actually see his aunt get killed by king lek right there in cold blood bitter blue is nowhere to be found bitter blue has went off and hidden into the woods um her mother the aunt was trying to buy her time and lek kills his wife in cold blood with an arrow because there's no technology. This is like old school bow and arrow horses, the whole nine yards. Um, kills her in front of everyone, his soldiers, um, Katza and uh, Poe. But Lex just says some words 
and everyone thinks that she died of her own term like she just magically died of natural causes and now he is in grieving and even Katza is believing what is coming out of his mouth the only one who doesn't believe what's coming out of his mouth is Poe because Poe is graced Dun, dun, dun. Poe is graced and he can actually see through the lies. He's almost he's literally like a lie detector. Another reason why it's his his grace is so powerful is because later you find out towards the end of the story after we kind of go through this part. It's literally in the last couple chapters, I believe um, you find out that Poe is blind or almost blind. And he because of his blindness, it's easier for him to use his um, his uh, power. And also it helps him in like he has height, heightened senses in the dark when it comes to his his, uh, his grace. So Poe can actually see through this and it's actually it helps save them because Lex sees Poe and Katza and is going to kill them, even though she's like believing every word that's coming out of his mouth. And Poe has to grab her and they have to run. And you start on this this part of the adventure because there's a lot of different like mission. There's that mission at the beginning with with Grandpa and there's something else in the middle. And this is kind of the bigger mission. Um, so they have to get away far enough away to get out of Katza's in get out of Katza out of King Lex's influence. So Poe can bring her back and then they have to find Bitter Blue, because Bitter Blue is lost in the forest somewhere. And before Lek can find her and kill her, because he thinks his daughter his daughter is going to be a threat to him, uh, they have to find her first. And you you kind of see them go up against some of the knights and of King Lex's realm and different things. And and Katza has a problem kind of keeping reality in check because King Lek is graced. He is a Graceling, but no one knows he's a Graceling because he wears an eye patch over one eye saying that eye was destroyed or blind or whatever it is. So no one knows he's a Graceling. Well, here's the thing. He has a manipulation. He can manipulate people with his words and have them think whatever he wants them to think. So that is why Katza is having such a hard time keeping reality straight because he is literally manipulating reality. And he's a very powerful grace. He doesn't just manipulate it through his words at that moment. But those people who have been manipulated, they talk to other people and they get manipulated. And it literally spreads. It is word of mouth and his grace can spread through just word of mouth, which is in this book a very, very powerful thing. And you actually, in the second book of the series, so she kind of pulls a Indiana Jones on us. Graceling is the first book. The second book is called Fire. And actually, the second book is a prequel to Graceling, uh, talking about how King, like, King Leck became who he is and the Graceling that kind of knew him and just all these things. So it's kind of a a prequel to what is happening in this. And then the third book is Bitter Blue, picking up from where Graceling left off with Bitter Blue. Um, so that's really the plot and the conflict all rolled up into one. They need to find Bitter Blue. They need to get her safely back to Lined, Lined, um, and they need to beat King Lek. Uh, yeah. So, 
I already talked about this, but we're going to go into a, oh no, right, sorry, wrong, wrong, I went ahead. Um, so with these different characters, with especially these four different characters, a, an important part of any novel, especially like a fantasy adventure novel, uh, is a character and their place in the story. So I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but in literature with characters, you have what's called archetypes. Archetypes are pretty much stereotypes of characters, but they have some sort of arc or meaning to the story. Now, I was looking it up just to see what is out there right now for archetypes. Because I'm very old school. I like the original 12 archetypes that I learned when I was doing my undergraduate. But there is so many different sources that are ranging from there are eight archetypes. No, there's 14 archetypes. No, there's 12. No, there's this. I like to stick to the original 12. They're my they're my pride and joy there. Um, but apparently there's other types probably trying to evolve with the times. But I still think the original 12 hold up well. Um, so in any adventure story, the four archetypes that I believe you need for any story is a hero, the innocent, the sage, and the villain. So hero, hero, sage, and innocent are what we call protagonists. They are the good guys, the good characters, the ones that you're rooting for. You want them to win normally. And then in um, with the villain, of course, is the antagonist who is evil and you don't want him to win because he's a horrible person. Um, that is norm. The norm of protagonist versus antagonist. Now, we have... You know, characters like in Marvel, Loki, who is a um, anti-hero, who is a sort of form of, he can kind of be a protagonist. He's sometimes an antagonist. He kind of flip-flops. So there are characters that flip-flop. There are, it's not as black and white as it used to be when it comes to the antagonist versus the protagonist. But in most stories... In most tales, in most adventures, you have the antagonist and the protagonist. And in this story, our hero is Katza. Our innocent is Bitter Blue. And um, King Lek is, of course, the villain. Now, you're probably wondering, who's the sage? There's no way that Poe's the sage. No, Poe is not the sage. Actually, the sage is a an elderly handmaiden named Helda. You only hear about her a little bit at the beginning of the book because she takes care of Katza, but she becomes bigger later on as she helps take care of Bitter Blue. So I needed to add her in there, even though we're not really talking about her. So you're probably wondering, okay, what's Poe? Very easy. He is the lover. I mean, obviously, people. Uh, he and her, of course, fall in love. Really, who didn't see that coming? Katza, the strong, abled warrior and a prince. Duh. It's like fantasy novel writing 101. If that didn't happen, I would have been shocked. But it's a different type of love. It's not like a um, unseparable, like vampire, like sparkly vampire twilight kind of love. Um, it, it's a hard love because they're going through this adventure. They might lose each other. Even at the end, when all is done, all is good in the world, Lek is dead. Yes, spoilers, Lek is dead. Um, Katza throws a knife in his face, I believe. Um, 
when when all that's said and done, like they're not even going to stay together right then and there. She has to go back to her kingdom and face her uncle and tell him how it is. And then she'll go back to to Poe. So it's it's still a relationship with conflicts and and dynamic moments where they got to figure they're still figuring things out even after the happily ever after. Because really, there's no real true happily ever after. And I'm breaking my own heart saying that. But let's move on. Um, now, the other part of characters, we talked about protagonists, antagonists, we talked about archetypes, but also dynamic and static characters. If you don't know what that is, dynamic means the character is growing, changing, they're developing. They're, they're not the same character that we met at the beginning of the book. Static doesn't change. They're literally the same character all the way through. So our static character is pretty obvious, Bitter Blue and Leck. The reason for that, usually the villain is not a dynamic character when they're not focused on it. Now, Loki, I go back to Loki because he's the most popular one I can think of. He is very dynamic and changing and growing because he is a main character. They all the Avengers are. They all have their own different like story types, especially with now having a TV show for Loki. But... It can happen, but in this instance, when you have a villain, when they are the one that they that needs to be thwarted, Lek is static. He's not going to change. He's going to continue to be manipulative and evil and try to take over the world. I don't think that's what he was doing, but I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to. Bitter Blue is static because literally she is the one they are saving. She is the innocent. Her story comes later. She becomes dynamic in her own book. In the third one. Now, Katza and Poe, of course, are our dynamic characters. Katza starts off very dark. I talk about this in the tone, which I haven't talked about yet. But she she starts off very dark. She starts off very hard, very one way. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't understand her identity, which is the theme of this, which I'll get into more later. Um, but she grows. She changes. She... Um, becomes more confident in herself. She becomes more um, set in what she wants to do and that she does not want to be a pawn in her uncle's uh, world anymore. Poe is also dynamic because he has a secret he's hiding and he has to trust her and change and grow to get to the point to be able to share it with her. So there's, there's dynamicness in both of these characters, which is good. And now I get to the point of point of view. Uh, so because these characters are dynamic, because there's so much going on, I, I said this in my last episode, with any sort of fantasy adventure, I really think it always should be limited third person. I think we need to have a main hero or innocent that we are following throughout the whole book, but have a limited third person point of view because it helps us give us a bigger picture of what's going on in their vicinity. So with Katz's vicinity, we're seeing a lot more different things. We're seeing a non-personal element, or sorry, there are non-personal elements in the story that need to be described in the narration without her personal bias. Don't know if I really said that sentence right. I'm looking at the essay I wrote. <laughs> Let me just read the sentence. So we're looking at the bigger picture. Also, there is a non-personal element to the descriptive nonverbal parts of the narration that I think is important in a plot-driven novel. This is a plot-driven novel. This is not a character-driven novel. Yes, there's dynamicness in it, but it is not just fully about Katza. It is 
very plot. We have lots going on, lots of adventure, lots of different things. Because here in the first person, the narration, like the non-dialogue words, are the thoughts of the characters. And those thoughts can definitely be very biased in what's going on around them. Um, because they, they're seeing it through their eyes. So in their eyes, it might be this, this, and this. Or this person's looking at me this way. Or I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that. It's all I, I, I. It's very biased. In a third-person limited point of view, actually any third-person point of view, you are getting a non-biased account of what's going on. You're getting more accurate descriptions of movements, body languages, facial expressions. It is it is not covered in personal bias, which really helps set up for the tone of the story, which, like I said, is this serious, serious tone, a life-threatening, adventurous tone, dark. And, of course, you have the undertones of sexual tension between Katza and Poe through the whole time. But the tone really sets up Katz's character as well. She is dark. She has a dark tone because she is so heavily burdened with the fact that she is her uncle's assassin but she so struggles because she doesn't want to do this. She wants to save people. She wants to do what's right. And that that tone is very much brought out in not only the description of the story, but in her personality as well. So as she moves towards Poe, as she starts to find her true identity outside of her uncle's assassination role for her, her tone starts to soften. It lightens up a little bit, especially after she kills Lack. She really solidifies pulling herself out of the darkness and into the light uh, after after Leck is killed and she realizes she needs to stand up to her uncle. The funny thing is she pulls herself out of the light, but here's the the spoiler of, of Poe. Poe is actually blind or going blind. And um, I already said that, actually, but I'm saying it again. He's going blind, so he's always in darkness. <laughs> but he has pulled her out of the darkness, so, you know, poetic there. So, and like I said, the big theme is uh, identity, because if you think about it in this in this story, we have these dark tones going on and these dark, sinister tones are hiding Lex's personality, hiding Katza's true identity and, and intentions and hiding Poe's identities. Like all three of these characters identities were tainted or hidden throughout the novel. And as the reader, you're trying to figure them out. And as you get towards the end, you realize like, oh, Lek, he is an evil son of a mm, and manipulating everyone around him. Oh, as you get towards the end of the, the novel, you realize, oh, Poe's hiding this this um, condition of being blind to Katza because he didn't want her to think that she he, that he couldn't. Um, do what he needs to do on this adventure. Oh, towards the end of the book, you find out Katza has been struggling. Well, actually, you find out throughout the whole novel that she's struggling with her identity on what who she is and what she does and, and all the things, but she becomes more solidified in who she really wants to be at the end. So it's all about identity, whether it's hiding, finding, or keeping a secret what you do. So I think it's a really great novel for young adults to read because it has that undertone or it has that um, un that theme underneath it all of finding who you are and being true to yourself. So those are all the different elements. Personally, 
I love this novel. It has an original storyline. Uh, the true struggle she builds in Katza when she faces the villain, um, Lek. Uh, the beautiful world that Kristen created is just gorgeous. It's just, it's an amazing novel. And I loved rereading it. I reread it about a month ago. Um, I'm really excited to reread the others. It's just a great story. I would, I give it an 8 out of 10, honestly. It's it's amazing. It's not perfection. No novel really is perfection to me. Even the Potter novels are not perfection to me. Um, but I, I definitely give it an 8 out of 10, and I would recommend it to any fantasy reader who enjoys YA literature. You really should check it out. Uh, it's it's absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, go, go, read, go read Katza's Adventure and join... Uh, all the Gracelings on their journey through the series. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, before we get out of here, I would like you to listen to a message from our sponsor. And then I'll be right back. Hey, it's Robert from Limitless Broadcasting, reminding you to tune in to Limitless Broadcasting Network anywhere you get your podcasts, from Apple Podcasts to Spotify. Check us out today. All right. Uh, go check out all the other podcasts. There is Pixie Dust Twins podcast, which I am on with Sammy. There is the Boogeyman podcast or uh, can't can't stop the Boogeyman. I don't know. It's a horror movie podcast. Not kid friendly, just so you know. Um, there is uh, uh, Living with Chronic Pain. And I feel like there's one more that I'm missing. I don't remember. Just go to Limitless Broadcasting and you'll find them all. Um Next week, we will be dissecting a book called The Awakening. Um, I'm not going to give you any more context than that, but it is isn't a YA novel. It is not the Nora Roberts novel. It is a older YA novel that I enjoy. Uh, so make sure to come back next week for that. Also, make sure to check me check uh, by Ashley Danny out on uh, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. I also have my own website. Everything here is in the show notes. Um, and I opened an Etsy store. Hopefully everything's up and running. I'm going to check it out tonight as I finish up this recording. If not, it's coming soon, I promise. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, I book, book Dragons, I hope you enjoyed the adventure with me, Ashley Danny. Join me next week as I dive into another story that will help you escape reality. If only for a moment. Bye, guys.